Since the 1960s, Ed and Lorraine Warren have been known as the world's most renowned paranormal investigators. Lorraine is a gifted clairvoyant, while Ed is the only non-ordained demonologist recognized by the Catholic Church. Out of the thousands of cases throughout their controversial careers, there is one case so malevolent they've kept it locked away. Until now. Hey gays and ghouls, I'm Sean Reedy. And I'm Katie Toole. And this is Friday Night Frights. A podcast about facing your demons. (laughs) Or somebody else's. I mean. (laughs) Tonight we're discussing The Conjuring. (sighs) What a classic. It's a great movie. I mean, we were talking about this a little bit when we were watching it, and I actually saw this sentiment echoed in a couple of the articles that I read about this film. Mm -hmm. Is that it was such a breath of fresh air because it came out right at the tail end of the um, torture porn craze, Mm -hmm. right? Like all of the, all of the Eli Roth movies, which like they, they have their merits. Yes. But like, the whole thing had gotten so derivative. We were on like Saw 18 or something like that. Oh and... my god! <laughs> Get me started. Right, and like Wolf Creek and and the remake of Texas Chainsaw. Like they were all just these like incredibly gory, violent. Mm-hmm. Not so much scary as just like disturbing. Yes, like the sub. It's not. There's not a lot of substance to it. Exactly, which is why it's called torture porn. Right. right. Like you're yeah, just, yeah. it's just, you're there for the violence. Right. And it's, that is not altogether my bag. Like I do enjoy some of those films, but yeah, they're not my favorites. Yeah. Like I, I really enjoy, we, we don't have to, I'm going to tangent for a little bit, but no we're here. Um, like I really enjoy the first Saw film. The first Saw film, because that was the first one. Yes. Like that was something you had never seen before. Mm-hmm. And then there were 87 movies after that yes. that were trying to be that, including the entire rest of that franchise. Yeah. Right. Um, and don't get me wrong, there were, like, I, I actually kind of enjoyed, like, the second, third, and up to the fourth one, actually. Right. I mean, um, further, but torture porn. Right. Through and through. Right. There's it was not just really like, let's, right. Like, let's. No, I mean the the plot of of Saw is basically a guy locks uh-huh. a person or multiple people in a building and tortures them. Yes. In incredibly creative ways. Mm-hmm. That's the premise. Yeah. It doesn't try to be more than that. Nope. That being said, this film felt like a complete like 180 mm. away from that mm-hmm. to something like much to me much scarier yes and and just much more atmospheric and i mean it doesn't hurt that james wan directed it um <laughs> i mean james wan is a master for right yeah absolutely you know but i really do love this movie mm-hmm. like this is this is exactly my kind of movie yeah for sure absolutely mm-hmm. and it, it's funny like i i remember before the conjuring like the uh 
Insidious. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Insidious was kind of like a bridge between yes. the two, I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just remember, like, one of my friends that I uh, that I met through working at uh, the first mall I ever worked at. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I went through multiple. Um, but, uh, yeah, one of my friends that I met there, she just happened to mention the movie to me. And she's like, I heard mm-hmm. about this film. It's called Insidious. It looks great. And I knew nothing about it. Mm-hmm. I didn't even see a trailer. Right. I was like, horror movie? Game on. Let's go see it. Right. I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> I were not prepared for I what you got. I was not prepared. Well, I mean, like, they start off... Uh, again, I'm tangenting. No, that's fine. But, um... But, I mean, if they are not used to tangents by now, why are they still listening to this podcast? True facts. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the opening title sequence mm-hmm. of it just, like, them, like... I. Mm, was it the opening too? I don't think it was. I think it was the end of it. Where it was just like slamming on an organ, just the word yeah. insidious up on the screen. I think that was actually the end. I think that was but, the end. But um, but either way, like even there. that yeah. was like jarring. Mm-hmm. Like and and I just remember coming out of that theater and like, I loved every moment of this. Mm-hmm. Also Patrick Wilson. I mean, what a dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, yes. And like there was some, we will definitely like cover Insidious at some point because Insidious oh, yes. is absolutely a movie that is worth covering. But I, mm-hmm. the thing that I, that there were images mm-hmm. in Insidious that I could still like describe to and I haven't seen the movie in years. And I could still, like, describe to a sketch artist, right? Yeah. Like, the 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 bodies hanging in the tree. Mm-hmm. Like, the multiple bodies hanging in the tree with, like, the sacks over their heads, right? And then, like, they start to move. Oh, my God. Like, that is burned into my brain. Was that insidious or sinister? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Was it insidious or sinister? Are you talking about like when it was on film in yes. the booth? Yeah, that was yes. that was sinister. Okay, well I'll just cut that out. <laughs> but but I will give you that 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 was another one that like it it got a little bit more into torture porn in a way, but there was actually a plot to it. Right. Yeah. Like and, that was the bridges between. Yes. Yes. And and sinister had a very insidious feel to it. Yeah, I probably just think they're the same movie. Also in sinister. <laughs> t-shirt um. <laughs> it's the same thing it's not at all the same movie it's but not it's, at all the same movie but it legit like i is it it's not by james Wan too is it i don't think so i don't think it is but it feels like it is it's a very similar feel yeah I'm sure we'll cover that one too we'll do them all we'll, we'll do them all, all. <laughs> but before we do them all we're gonna do the conjuring and before we do the conjuring it is shock tail hour nice. <laughs> so good to be in the same room it really truly is tonight's shock tale is called the bathsheba hmm. in honor of bathsheba thayer sherman who was absolutely not a witch <laughs> But we will... More on that later. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes. Yes, it's yes. And I will say this drink is delicious. I am very excited to uh, continue to drink this all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Katie, what is in the Beth Sheba? Okay. So, slight word of warning. This is a strong drink. Mm-hmm. Like, Sean has one in front of him right now because we record at Sean's house. So, mm-hmm. he doesn't have to go anywhere. I do not have one in front of me because last night I had one in front of me and I got drunk off of one. So just putting that out there. So I'm like, can I have three? <laughs> right? I mean, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. live I'm kidding. your best life, baby. So the Bathsheba is um, two ounces of cherry bounce. So I have a cherry bounce that is pre-bottled from a northern Michigan distillery called Mammoth. It is delicious and I love it. And if you can find that, absolutely get it. If you cannot find that or you cannot find a pre-bottled cherry bounce, there are myriad recipes on the internet to make your own cherry bounce. Mm -hmm. You could probably also get away with cherry brandy. Yeah. Um, And that would be just fine. Or like on the outside. So the the cherry bounce from Mammoth is um, whiskey and cherries. Mm -hmm. A cherry bounce doesn't necessarily have to be whiskey, but this one is whiskey-based. So you could probably even get away with, like, mixing a little bit of cherry juice and a little bit of whiskey. And it would probably have a very similar flavor. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, added to the two ounces of cherry bounce is a shot of mezcal. Mm-hmm. A nice smoky mezcal. And then an ounce of rosemary simple syrup. Um, to make rosemary simple syrup... You get equal parts sugar and water as if you were making a regular simple syrup and you put a few sprigs of rosemary in it and you let it do its thing. Um, Just make sure that you let the rosemary kind of steep in there for about a half an hour after you have pulled it off the heat. That makes sense. Imagine you're making kind of like a tea, right? Um, An infusion. Right. It's absolutely delicious, mm-hmm. and it smells incredible. Like, the entire place smelled amazing. <laughs> yeah, I wish that I was there for you making that, right? because I love rosemary. Mm-hmm. Ugh, it's my favorite. So good. Mm-hmm. And to drink it, I mean, mm-hmm. it's a dream. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm absolutely going to be using this simple syrup in, in all kinds of cocktails, mm-hmm. like cocktails and, and not cocktails. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So yeah. Just let this take your body over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A little herb, herby goodness. Mm-hmm. Bacious. So that's the Bathsheba, and it's pretty delicious. Mm-hmm. So The Conjuring was released in 2013, of course, mm-hmm. as we know, by James Wan, mm-hmm. and written by uh, Chad and Carrie Hayes. Okay. So we have a pretty decent-sized cast here. Um, partially due to the fact that... Um, there are five children. <laughs> there are five children. Um, Roger and Carolyn just can't stop reproducing. I mean... This is my haunting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, their first night in the house, they, like, get it on. So yeah. clearly there's a reason that there are five children. They're, like, christening this. And they're, like... <laughs> <laughs> they're christening everything, apparently. Yeah, Chris How many me. houses have you had? Yeah. <laughs> every fucking room. <laughs> Um, so of course we have, so we have Ed and Lorraine Warren, played by Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmesia, respectively. Mm-hmm. Um, then of course we have Roger and Carolyn Perrin, played by Ron Livingston and Lily Taylor, respectively. Lily Taylor! Uh, such a great actress. Love her. I mean, they're all great, but uh, mm-hmm. Lily Taylor. 
There's just something about Lily Taylor. She's just, she's really, she's just really great at being possessed. I mean, she's just, she is, she is, she is haunting. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh-huh. there is something about Lily Taylor that is haunting. Like, I think that I, I think it would be jarring to see her in, like, a role where, like, she wasn't haunted. Either, you know, literally or metaphorically. So I, of course, know of, like, there were, I remember the first time that I ever saw Lily Taylor was in Six Feet Under. Mm-hmm. Now, I forgot that she was in The Haunting. However, I have not seen The Haunting for probably, it feels like, 20 years at this point. Right. Well, that's probably true. I I was obsessed with that version of that movie when I was a child before I knew better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's burned into my memory as Nell, who is, you know the most haunted of the haunted in the haunting. So <laughs> maybe that's why it's like, I can't picture her in any other kind of role. I mean, mm-hmm. she is the haunt. <laughs> haunt couture. Haunt couture. <laughs> Where'd you get your perfume? <laughs> haunt couture. <laughs> Welcome to Spooky. <laughs> <laughs> By Haunt Couture. <laughs> it's a foul, demonic scent. Because <laughs> uh-huh. all foul smells are demonic. <laughs> Raise <Whoa>. your demons. <laughs> Sensual demons. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. We're going to stop it here. It's going to get over too weird. <laughs> oh, jeez. So then we, of course, have... Um, <clears throat> So then we, of course, have um, Andrea, played by uh, Shanley Caswell. Shanley? No idea. I'm sorry. Um, We have Nancy, played by uh, Haley McFarland. Christine, of course, played by the wonderful Joey King. Mm -hmm. Love her. Um, What is it? Mommy Dead and Dearest? Is that what it is? I mean, so many things. Yeah. I feel like that's just pops up all the time. Yes. Mm -hmm. She's just a phenomenal actress as Mm -hmm. well. Um, we have Cindy, played by Mackenzie Foy. April, played by Kyla uh, Deaver. And then we, of course, have Judy Warren, the Warren's daughter, played by Sterling Jen... Jerens? Man, I need to write better. Um, and then, of course, um, Drew Thomas, played by Shannon Cook. And that's probably Cook. And Brad, the police officer, played by John Brotherton. Mm-hmm. Uh, so another thing of note that we should say, and we will talk more about this a little later on in the episode, that every single person that Sean just named uh, w- is a real person. Yes. Uh, Ed and Lorraine mm-hmm. Warren are, in fact, uh, two of the, probably the two best known uh, paranormal investigators in the history of ever. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. But that being said, I feel like unless you were a total like ghost nerd, you didn't necessarily know who they were before this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will say that I've I've heard their name in passing before The mm-hmm. Conjuring, but I didn't know much about them. Right. Obviously, acknowledging the fact that this is a Hollywood movie, so it's not going to be exact, but it's it's at least gives them gives you a bit of a dive into 
their history. Like, some of it is very accurate. Right. Some of it is very accurate. And, like, of course, and, again, we'll, we'll get into this later, of course, you know, you have to you have to believe everything that the Warrens said, which many people do not. Right. Um, but the family is also, this is, in fact, based on an investigation that the Warrens did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whatever your beliefs about, whatever your beliefs about the veracity of the Warrens' claims, the parent family was real, and mm-hmm. they do... Uh, they do all of them claim to have lived in a haunted house in in Harrisville, mm-hmm. um, Rhode Island. So uh, this is actually truly based on a true story. They took liberties, of course, but it is based on a true story. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, what I found very interesting was that in the beginning of the film, they start off with a different story. They do. I- I think that that's to introduce the Warrens. Yes. And, I, and I'm and i glad that they did it, especially because even though I don't really like the extended franchise that spun off of it, like it, it created three more movies, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, that yep. are specifically focused on Annabelle, mm-hmm. the Annabelle doll. Um, I, and the Annabelle doll, the actual Annabelle doll... Um, is one of their more famous cases. Yes. So I think that it was sort of like a little uh, Easter egg that was thrown in there for the ghost nerds Mm -hmm. because the pairing case was not one of their better-known cases. Right. Um, So I think they started out with with the one that, if you knew them, you probably knew about Annabelle. Mm -hmm. I I actually knew about the Annabelle doll. Right. And not really knowing much about the Warrens. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so a quick thing with that, of course, Annabelle Dahl haunting these two um, nursing students. Um, it doesn't matter what their names are. No, I was just trying to go in order of what happened. Um, so basically, in the beginning of the movie, it's it's a semi-impossible version of film. Um <laughs> It's very Hollywood oh, right. for this movie, that, right. this yeah. film that they produced for this just general class, not class, um, lecture. lecture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, they would give lectures. <clears throat> and they traveled around. They gave lectures. Mm-hmm. They've they've written books. Um, the the room in the room in their home in the film that holds all of the like artifacts from their investigations and the occult objects that they had um, collected mm-hmm. is also real and for many years they operated it as a museum it yep. is now closed unfortunately I would pay a lot of money to get in that room yeah, but I would love to see it mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to come home with a demon that's not the kind of uh, gift shop Souvenir toy I want, want yeah. <laughs> no no, no. Not gonna, not gonna take on the Annabelle doll no. show. No, no, I'm good with that. I mean, it is locked in a glass cabinet, and that actually was a true thing. So, like, mm-hmm. so they went through this haunting, of course, showed what these two students experienced. Um, later, you actually see them. You see them walking through the room that's in their house, and one of the things you see is Annabelle in a locked in a glass display case. Mm-hmm. That is actually a thing. Mm-hmm. The main difference with that is that the Annabelle doll is more like a Raggedy Ann doll. Right. 
and not this terrifying doll that I don't know why it was created. Because <laughs> who why? in the fuck would have created this doll and like, yeah, little girl would love this. Definitely right. not terrifying at all. Not even the least bit. I mean, sometimes dolls are terrifying. This is true. We were just going through my mother's basement and the fucking baby doll that she had when she was a child. Mm-hmm. Horrifying. Mm-hmm. Partially because... Um, the eyes were completely like faded. So it just looked like it had whites mm. eye sockets. Not a good time. Yeah. That we're is like, a horror movie waiting to happen. So the trash, right, mom? That's mm-hmm. what it is doing. We're not keeping this. <laughs> it's going away. You're keeping it? No? Okay. Goodbye. <laughs> May. <laughs> um, that is one thing I will say that amuses me about this film is that like, Everything is relatively low-key, right? Like, mm-hmm. n- nothing really looks exaggerated or stylized. Like, it's a very sort of, like, it's James Wan, right? So it's a mm-hmm. very sort of, like, um, restrained filming and, like, the the sort of production design is, is relatively realistic. Until you get to the haunted objects, like Annabelle yes. and that little, like, music box that you use to see Rory and then it's like right. it looks like something out of a Tim Burton movie and you're like this does not look like it belongs in this world <laughs> two of these things just don't belong here <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like, what is this where did you find it yeah like... it didn't I didn't understand it really either mm-hmm. I mean they're effective but they are absolutely yeah definitely um like kind of hitting that thin line between like terrifying and ridiculous. Right. And, and just like, just strangely like discordant with the sort of overall like aesthetic of the rest of the film. Yes. For me. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. But anyway, carry on. Um, well, cause then we move from there to, um, 1971. Right. So we're in Harrisville, Rhode Island. Where the parents move into their new house um, from Jersey. That's where mm-hmm. they move from. Um, and immediately their dog's not a fan. <laughs> this is the first thing that I notice is mm-hmm. dog's like, Dog I'm not. will not go in the house. Not going in that house. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're moving everything in and then they decide to play a game of hide and clap. Katie, I... Didn't do any research on that game, and I really wish that I did, because I'm like, is this a real thing? Or is this something that James Wan, like, made up? Made up because it's it's creepy as fuck? Yes. Look. So, while I am sure that somebody somewhere has probably played hide-and-seek this way, mm-hmm. when you Google hide-and-clap, the only things that come up are related to The Conjuring. I'm not surprised. Right, because this is definitely not a game that we played as a child. No, and it, like... It just seems so dangerous. And, like, don't get me wrong. The 70s were a dangerous time. Right. I know I they mean, were. like, they were Didn't actively trying to kill children. But yes. <laughs> especially the way they play it in the movie. Like, I... when they're playing it near the stairs on the second floor. Uh-huh. Like, if I was their mother, I would be like... <laughs> but, in fact, she was the one that was playing hide and clap on the second floor. That's true. It was her, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, it was her. It was her. fell down the goddamn stairs. Yep. 
Um, yeah, that, it, especially like in a new house you just moved into. Yeah, that's right. You don't have like the, you don't have the like sixth sense of like where things are yet. Right. Unless maybe you do because it's haunted. I mean, maybe. You're supposed to be here, Nelly. Sorry. Wrong movie. <laughs> See? It's Lily Taylor. <laughs> um, here to haunt your dreams. <laughs> Lily Taylor, here to haunt your dreams. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah so they're playing hide and clap if james wan invented this game um or the writers invented this game it was brilliant yes because it is an incredibly effective device mm-hmm. so it's basically hide and seek except the seeker is blindfolded mm-hmm. and gets clues to where the hiders are by them clapping, mm-hmm. right? Since the seeker is blindfolded, it is really quite easy for, you know, any kind of supernatural force to just, like, start playing. And mm-hmm. they don't know that it's not the kid, right? It's amazing. That's like, it is absolutely the... Well, we can get that. We can get that <laughs> when we get there. Well, like, and I, I will say, like, I, I love that they took something that's just so innocent and put this wonderfully sinister twist on mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's just five little girls playing a game. Right, exactly. Um, well, in the first time that they play this, they accidentally find a cellar. Right, that's boarded <laughs> up. Yeah, I don't know that's why. That's what you always want to see in your new house. Right. Like, oh, look, part of the house that... People have wanted to seal away. Mm-hmm. That being said, I would have been so fucking excited. Oh, yeah, me too. If I had moved into a house and I mm-hmm. found a secret room, I would lose my goddamn mind. Yeah, my desire would to, for it to be not a cellar, though. Like, give me another room. Right. I mean, I'm on board with it. Right. But a fucking cellar, I'm not going into that place. Right. Especially, I mean, it's just sort of like a root cellar. It's not even a real basement. Right. It's just a dugout cellar. Mm-hmm. Just packed full of junk. Right. Like, why would they Why would they lock this away? Right. Why would they lock this away? I mean, that would be the question, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think I would immediately, maybe this is just because I've watched, like, too many horror movies and too much true crime in my life, but I would immediately be like, there's a body down there. Oh, yeah. Like, why else would you board it up? There's a right. body down there. There's absolutely a body down there. There might be multiple bodies down there. There might be multiple. Mm-hmm. They go down, they explore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's at this point that strange things begin to happen. Yes. So, for example, the clock keeps stopping at 3.07 a.m. Mm-hmm. Their, um, their dog is mysteriously killed. Mm-hmm. Or just mysteriously kind of drops dead. Yeah. Having never come in the house, she she refused to come in. So, mm-hmm. like, fair warning, if you haven't seen the movie, this is a movie where a dog dies. Yes. <laughs> so. And if you do have a concern with dogs dying, I do believe there's a website that you can oh, go to. Yeah. Doesthedogdie.com, I think yeah, it's, I believe it's actually it. called. I believe that is exactly what it mm-hmm. is. Um, so, check that out if you haven't seen it before. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, Carolyn, uh, finds a bruise on her leg. Right. An, an unexplained bruise, but she yeah. doesn't really think anything of it. She right, just thinks just like, that her oh, like, it's bruise. 
Right. I mean, I I get weird bruises all the time. All the time. Like, oh, my husband accidentally kicked me while we were sleeping or I kicked myself or right. Like, whatever. I hit my shin on something. Right. Yeah. And just forgot. Constant. Um, So another thing that happens is that their daughter, Cindy, who's played by Mackenzie Foy, who, mm -hmm. by the way, if you recognize her, is the daughter from Twilight. Um, Yes, she is. That's that's where you recognize her from, if you recognize her. Mm-hmm. Um, she is a sleepwalker. Mm-hmm. And they find her in her older sister's room, banging her head against the wardrobe. Um, which, again, no one finds particularly alarming, just because she has a history of sleepwalking. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, well, bring her back to bed. Right. They put her back to bed. Everything's Mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. The next day, they send the older children off to school. And uh, April, the littlest one, and her mother start playing hide and clap. Mm -hmm. This is the point where Carolyn almost falls down the stairs because she's playing hide and clap on the second story with an open staircase and a house she doesn't know. Um. And this is the f- this is the first time mm-hmm. that Rory joins the game. So we again have a movie where the mother just assumes that the daughter, the little girl, has an imaginary friend. Mm-hmm. Well, and and we should mention too before the uh, before Hide and Clap happens. This is where where um, April has that weird line. <laughs> the timber the, music box, yeah. Yes, um, and talks about talks about Rory for the first time. Right, yes. And is like, oh, you see him if you play the music box and once it ends, he appears in the mirror behind you. Right. And like, no explanation is ever given as to why that would be the only way you could see see Rory, by nope. the way. Like, never. Except that it was his toy. I guess, right. I guess they do like, establish that later on, that mm-hmm. it was his toy. Um, but... This doesn't explain it. It still doesn't explain why that's the only way you can see him. Right. He didn't die by his toy. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, like, <laughs> it's just a it's just a way to But of course, Carolyn tries the trick. Mm-hmm. She doesn't see the boy. Mm-hmm. So uh just assumes that her daughter has a new little imaginary friend mm-hmm. and they start playing hide and clap. Right. Right. This is the first time that Roy joins the game mm-hmm. when you see the wardrobe in Andrea's room, the one that uh, Cindy was banging her head against. The one that Cindy was banging her head against. Open, and you see a pair of little hands come out and clap. Mm-hmm. Now, this is another one of those movies that just proves that you can do so much without a single lick of CGI. Like, mm-hmm. you can just do so much. They literally had a kid standing behind those clothes. Yeah. That's it. And like later on when she's in the cellar, they just have a they just have somebody standing in the darkness and just reaches out their hands and claps and it is the scariest moment in the movie. Oh, absolutely. Like um but yeah, just so you can do so much with so little. Ugh, and I think so that's good. why and that's why this film felt like such a breath of fresh air cuz like mm-hmm. it does get toward the end, you know, it does get like it gets a lot bigger and like there's a lot of like digital stuff and they're flying just like literally flying through the air right right um but just that first sort of 
45 or so minutes when it's just subtle mm-hmm. and it's so effective and you're just like look what you can do with nothing mm-hmm. right it's so good it's so good because there is not a single effect in this scene no you cannot see what christine is seeing mm-hmm. they never show you what she sees you just see a dark doorway yeah and this child's just freaking out and mm-hmm. you keep waiting for it you keep waiting for the visual and they never give it to you. Nope. Um, they do give you the door slam, right? So they give you like the the sort of audio mm-hmm. that makes you jump. Like, so you do get the jump scare, but you don't get the visual. Yeah. And she is seeing something. So you expect to see something. Mm-hmm. And it's just nothing. like, like they literally needed nothing for this scene. Mm-hmm. And it's terrifying. This is the the scene, the second scene of uh, of Christine getting her foot pulled in her bed. Right. Yeah. So she gets her foot pulled the first time. She blames her sister. Yeah. And then she smells the. They fart. smell the right the quote unquote <laughs> fart. The demonic fart, and she gets her foot pulled again. Realizes her sister's sound asleep, and couldn't have done it. At which point, you know, she starts investigating under her bed and she sees whatever she sees mm-hmm. behind her door. So I was trying to, I was like, where is this in? It was literally like next. It was perfect. It was a perfect segue. Go for it. No, 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 no. I mean, like, it was literally like, that was the part that we were talking about next. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. we were we're we're kind of like following along with the movie. Yeah. Not a watch along. Um Not a watch along. Not a watch along. <laughs> From here things start to escalate very quickly. <laughs> yes. Like shit goes downhill fast. Mm-hmm. This is not yet the part though that they reach out to Ed and Lorraine. Mm-mm. They're still just dealing with it. Right. It's still just... Well, because at this point, there's nothing There's nothing that has happened that cannot be explained. Right. Right. The one daughter is sleepwalking. Mm-hmm. The other daughter is just seeing things. She had a nightmare. Right. Right? right. Like, she was in her bed. Like, mm-hmm. y- you see a child in her bed screaming that there was something... That's a night terror. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. I have experienced sleep paralysis, and you absolutely believe that whatever you're seeing is in the room. No, thank you. Yeah, it is absolutely terrifying. And... Sorry. We're just gonna... Get... Okay. Yeah, I have, I have experienced night terrors. I have experienced sleep paralysis. That is absolutely what would happen during one of those episodes. No, 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 no. Um, so there, there is nothing yet that cannot be explained. Mm-hmm. By natural means. Right. Right. I have to backtrack again one more time really quick. Go for it. Only because we didn't really discuss um, Ed and Lorraine's daughter, Judy. Oh, yes. Because uh, there is just, it's just one scene that, that she appears so far. She ends up um, going into the room filled with all of the haunted objects. Right. The possessed objects. Um, she is obviously intrigued. 
Yes, she is. By the room full of creepy things that her father forbids her from entering. Yes. I mean, like, surefire way to get a kid to want to go into a room is to tell him not to go in there. Yeah, it's... I mean, so. I get it. I mean, they lock... They have, like, what, four locks on that door? Mm-hmm. Um, right. I mean, it's just, like, it's just, like, a giant neon sign mm-hmm. saying Judy's name. Like, Judy, Judy, Judy. <laughs> Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. <laughs> well, and I think this is when he is in, like, he is yeah, an he's showing. He's showing the guy. Yes. The reporter or whatever he is. Mm-hmm. And then this is when they also go over um, the fact that the last time that they had an exorcism, Lor- Lorraine had a really horrible experience with it right and so ed is kind of trigger shy yes uh, about taking her into a situation again mm-hmm. and very 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 protective mm-hmm. of her mm-hmm. um so after what we had just discussed happens we flash back over to ed and lorraine and ed is trying to sneak off to go and see um going to check out a case Without Lorraine. Right. Because he doesn't uh, want her to be exposed to the supernatural anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she, will not, she will not let him leave without her. And so right. they do both go. Um, but that particular case does, in fact, have a rational explanation. It's mm. just wind in the attic or the pipes or something. That's right. And so that's when you... That's put in there as like a... See, they're not just like sensationalist kooks who you know see ghosts everywhere yes they're not seeking out they're they're not trying to make it so it every single case seems like it's actually a haunting right like they're they're trying to prove it wrong first right and then they're like oh it's haunted okay (laughs) occasionally and then they walk into the parents house right um so this is so the next scene uh So the next scene is when uh, Carolyn is, uh, I believe, going to the bathroom or something. She's She hears a noise. And she goes out into the hallway and all of a sudden, all of the photos that are on the wall leading down the staircase fall off. We should also say that Roger is gone. Oh, yes. At this point. He's a truck driver and he's out on the road. Yep. So she's alone. With her kids. Mm -hmm. The kids are all sleeping and she's hearing all of these noises and all of the picture frames fall off the wall at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then. (laughs) And then she goes to look at the cellar. Yep. Basically says, fuck this noise. Yep. Not going down there, except yes, you are. Because you're getting pushed down the stairs, my dear. Yep. She gets a ball tossed at her. She gets a ball tossed at her. Which freaks her the fuck out. Reasonably so. As you would. Um, runs up the stairs. Hears clapping. And then gets the clap scared out of her. Oh my god, Sean. <laughs> I wrote that down. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and this is this is this is the moment I was talking about that is yes. like is the moment that sears itself into your brain with all of the crazy shit that happens mm-hmm. at the end of this film, right? That moment when those hands come out of the darkness and clap right next to her head mm-hmm. is absolutely the scariest moment in the movie. Like, you're just like, ah! You know, the one thing uh, that I do want to... The one thing that I do want to say about that scene 
Um, I'm not hating on the scene itself because it is, I wholeheartedly agree. It is one of the, it is the scariest scene. Mm-hmm. I hate that they included it in the trailer because I was expecting it. Oh, you're right. They did do that. Poor choice. Yeah. They, 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 they gave away their, their best. Yes. Their best moment for mm-hmm. sure. Still, still terrifying. Still scary, yeah. Because in the trailer, like, in the actual movie, you don't, the timing is off. So you're, you know what's coming, but you don't exactly know when it's exactly going to happen. Right. But they shouldn't have put it in there. Right. And then, again, we've gotten to the point where this is escalating very quickly. Yes. Because while the mother is locked in the cellar being clapped at by Rory, mm-hmm. uh, Cindy is back in her sister's room. Hitting her head against that same wardrobe. Yep. <laughs> Can I say that like it is scary? It is scary. But like when you finally see Bathsheba, like mm-hmm. it's fucking hilarious. Like yeah. just the stance that she's in. It's like what is happening right now? Like <laughs> just like poised up there. Like yeah, <laughs> like ready to pounce. I mean, and she, she does. does. <laughs> So this is this is the moment when when the spirits start actively attacking. Yes. Um, you know, you have you have the door slamming and um trapping Carolyn in the basement. Mm-hmm. And then you have actually a physical assault on yep. Andrea by Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. Um I will say it's also incredibly effective when the doors of the wardrobe uh, keep banging after Andrea puts Cindy back to bed. Yep. And it just starts doing it again in the exact same rhythm that mm-hmm. it was when she was banging her head against it. Like, it's very... One of those great, like... It's it's a it's a classic move, right? Of the scary thing not being where you think it's going to be. Yes. Right. Like, you assume that the scary thing is going to be in the wardrobe. She opens the doors of the wardrobe. There's nothing in there but clothes. And then the camera pans up and Bathsheba's up on the fucking, like, a puma on the top right. of the- Surprise! <laughs> she's like, eh! And then she jumps I'm coming to get you, see? <laughs> Luckily, right at this moment, Roger comes home. Mm-hmm. But he still doesn't know what the fuck's going on. Because when he walks into the house, like, his wife is locked in a closet screaming. His daughter is writhing around on the floor, screaming. He does not see the spirit. He doesn't see Bathsheba. He just sees that, like, his entire family has seemed to go go insane in the four days he's been gone. Right. Right. Um, It is at this point that uh, Carolyn starts to research um, help for Mm -hmm. such matters and learns of Ed and Lorraine Warren. Mm-hmm. And she goes to uh, Massachusetts to meet them. Mm-hmm. Fun fact. During the lecture scene, um, when they're describing the case that traumatized Lorraine so, mm-hmm. the lecture that um, Carolyn is in the audience for. Go ahead and take a real close look 
at the old woman in the front row oh, yes. as the camera pans back to Carolyn. Because that, my friends, is the real, actual Lorraine Warren. Sure is. And I lost my mind when I realized that. Like, I made Sean stop the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, rewind sure it. Did. <laughs> I, and it's funny because I, I did not notice her. At first. I had never noticed her before. Yeah. So I think the reason that I noticed her is because I had just been reading about her and I'd seen right. her photo. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm not sure that I would have known the first time that I watched this movie or the first, you know, dozen times that I watched this movie that, like, what Lorraine Warren really looked like. And so I wouldn't have known that was her. Okay. But since I had just been looking at her photo and then I looked up at the screen and it was clearly the same woman, I was like, oh, look. <laughs> Wait just a darn minute there. <laughs> Back up. I also have to say, I really, really just love Lorraine Warren's clothing. Oh, yeah. <sighs> so good. Um, well, I mean, Vera Farmiga is gorgeous. Oh, absolutely. And, like, is she, yes, like, her whole look in this movie is fabulous. Like, oh. I love it. Costume design, 10 out of 10. Yep. <laughs> Keep it going. Keep mm-hmm. it going. So, a desperate Carolyn goes, begs them to come and come and just see the l- house. Look at the house. Mm-hmm. They end up coming along. When, when Ed and Lorraine first walk into the house, you notice that Lorraine has a very concerned look on her face for a split second. Right, immediately. And she just, she seems uneasy right away. Mm-hmm. And this is just while uh, Carolyn is just introducing the family to her. To right, them. like nothing has happened. Right. Um, they start, this is when they start discussing the smell of rotting meat. <laughs> and Ed's like, it's a demon. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> It must be a demon. It must be a demon. (laughs) Sean and I were talking about this earlier. That that, like of all of the things that have happened in this house, the thing that would be most easily explainable would be a bad smell. Yes. And that's the thing that Ed latches onto to like say that it's clearly demonic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Immediately after they're like, you know, it's usually not a haunting. And she's like, it smells funny. And he's like, oh, it's a demon. Like, (laughs) have you ever bought demonic meat? <laughs> I got your demonic meat right here. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> I bought it on sale at the grocery store for five ninety nine. <laughs> the guy selling it in the parking lot. <laughs> I bought it for six sixty six a pound. Ah! Ooh. So Ed and Lorraine investigate the house. Mm-hmm. This is the part two where we uh, it. It's of course very very subtle, mm-hmm. but this is the part where you start hearing a whisper. Look what she made me do. Ah, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. And you you have no explanation. You just hear it. Just randomly. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say randomly. It's right before something happens, usually. Right. Because as of yet, absolutely no context for the haunting has been given at all. Mm-hmm. Like, you have just seen the results of the spirits. There has been absolutely no talk of how they got there. Right. At this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is when Lorraine sees April's friend, Rory. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the music box works for Lorraine, of course. Yes. Obviously, because um, she's a clairvoyant. Another yeah. one that was really effective, just because it was it was a very subtly creepy moment, mm-hmm. and there was no jump scare. No, you expected him to be there, and he was there. Yeah, and then he was gone, and, was and then he was gone, and and like the, and part of that was was again for uh performance because like her face as she like turns around because she doesn't want to freak out because she doesn't want to scare the kid, mm-hmm. right? And like the kid obviously doesn't think of Rory as anything but benevolent, right? So she doesn't want to she doesn't want to scare April, but she needs to see. If that kid's really back there, mm-hmm. if there really is a just a child standing behind her, which he is of course gone. No, he is gone because he's a ghost. So uh, Ed and Lorraine head out to the most beautifully haunting tree, which yes. just happens to be on this this land. <laughs> right the the tree the tree is. I mean, there's a reason the tree is the cover. Oh, absolutely. And, and the poster, because mm-hmm. it's just a, a fabulously designed. Yes. Um, I don't know if, did they build that tree? You know, I never looked into that. I meant to. Mm-hmm. I feel like they did, but I don't remember. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is something that I knew, but I still, that might. Gotcha. Here, here we are. Um. Either which way, if they did build that tree... It's a great build. It is a great build. It looks real. It does. It also looks a little bit like it has a face. Yes. Which is always... Yeah. And it also... It is also the perfect shape to hang a noose from. Mm Mm-hmm. It just happens to have that branch that just reaches out and just is like, Mm -hmm. hang from me. (laughs) Hang from me. And this is when Lorraine sees another really effective, just creepy scare. Mm -hmm. When she just sees the feet dangling behind Ed's head. Mm -hmm. So good. Right. Ed is becoming very alarmed because it is clear that Lorraine is afraid. Yes. And A... He's concerned mm-hmm. because of her experience with the last possession that they worked. Mm-hmm. But B, when a lady who hunts ghosts for a living is scared, mm-hmm. that's scary. Yeah. <laughs> like, and she's practic- legitimately unsettled. Yeah. You're like, oh, fuck. I mean, she practically faints. She does. I mean, she looks. And, and again, I mean, she's so. I mean, I'm just going to be like singing Vera Farmiga's praises the entire fucking movie <laughs> because she's so amazing. But like, just. It's just her performance. Like she looks, she looks like a, she looks like an eight-year-old all of a sudden. Yeah, she's like she, she, she sort of like ages herself backwards until she like she does actually look like a scared little girl. Mm Mm-hmm. The talent. The talent. It's strong in this one. Um, so this is also when, like, so Ed and Lorraine are, are explaining what they've seen so far mm-hmm. to, uh, Carolyn and Roger. And Roger. <laughs> Roger, Roger. <laughs> um, so definitely concerned. They're like, we, we gotta do something. 
Right. Your house needs to be cleansed. Yes. So they ended up bringing in the help of Drew and Officer Brad. After their initial investigation into the house, um, they say that they're going to, you know, they they say that they're going to come back with the intent of cleansing the spirits from the house. Mm-hmm. Um, they then go home to do their research and they find any number of disturbing uh, instances from the past of the house. Mm-hmm. Ed reveals that the interview that he had taped with Carolyn and Roger had not taped. Yes. But only Carolyn's voice had not taped. Mm-hmm. Everyone else's voice had. And it was a single microphone recording. Right. Which is, would be just hideously alarming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... And then this is also the point where uh, Ed and Lorraine's daughter yes. gives Lorraine uh, a locket. Yes, with her picture in it. And mm-hmm. she says that she has, uh, that she got a locket for herself that has a picture of Ed and Lorraine in it. And yes. it's very sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's important and we'll tie that in later. Right. <laughs> important things happen. Yes. So as Ed and Lorraine are discussing the tape and what happened with the tape, Lorraine also reveals what she has learned about the property. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And she has learned that there have been any number of murders, suicides, unexplained deaths, all kinds of... Um, you know, just bad, bad vibes that went on at this place. So it goes all the way back to a woman named Bathsheba Thayer Sherman. So Lorraine tells Ed that she has learned that Bath- Bathsheba Sherman um, was a witch mm-hmm. who had made a pact with Satan and uh, murdered her own seven-day-old infant yes. child before running out to that gorgeous tree, um, cursing anyone who might take her land and hanging herself at 3.07 in the morning. Yes. Right. Um, At which point the tape recording turns on and they start to hear noises that definitely were not in the kitchen. No. When they were sitting there. And that, that freaks them out quite a bit. So they're like, fuck this. Uh, we're going to have to cleanse this bitch. Yep. So off they go. Oh, and they also mentioned that there was a another woman that ended up killing her, or whose son ended up going missing in right. the woods. The and son went missing. She, she committed suicide. Yes. Yes. And Ed's like, well, that explains a lot. <laughs> right yeah it's 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 funny because it's like l- literally like lorraine does a day's worth of research and right. just discovers everything that's been going on it's like oh yeah <laughs> here's all the things right here's point a and point b and point c like, oh, well that was quick <laughs> didn't need to draw that out like i said it escalates quickly it does so this is the point where um so this is where ed and lorraine bring in uh, Drew and Officer Brad. Yep. To help with the overall 
cleansing of this house. Right. Uh, Drew has worked with them before. Uh, mm-hmm. Brad is clearly just there to make sure that no shenanigans goes on, and because every ghost mo- movie needs its skeptic. So. Yes. He's the one that doesn't believe in this nonsense. And I mean, he needs to be concerned about his masculinity, and we need that in this film as well. Mm-hmm. So after, after they're all setting up for this uh, cleanse, all of these lovely gens end up going off and uh, doing God knows what. I just don't remember. But um, Carolyn uh, decides to go lay down and take a nap. Mm-hmm. She's just tired. And Lorraine is is there to really just help overall. Yes, yeah, so all the men go away. Carolyn and Lorraine are kind of um, bonding over motherhood. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Carolyn tells Lorraine about first of all, expresses her disbelief that Bathsheba Sherman could have possibly harmed her own child. Like, right. it is beyond her understanding that anyone would want to do so, mm-hmm. which is important. Um, she also tells her about a day that her family spent at the beach that is, like, one of her favorite memories mm-hmm. of all time. Um, and and expresses to Lorraine just how much her children mean to her. Mm-hmm. Then she goes to lay down. Yep. She goes to lay down, take a nap. And this is where the storm rolls in. Yep. (laughs) It's gotta happen. It's gotta happen. Lorraine's trying to get these sheets down off the clothesline. It's always sheets. Always sheets. And one flies off, covers what seems to be a person. Mm Mm-hmm. And then just floats away up into the, up against the window that leads into Lorraine's bedroom. Mm -hmm. Nope. Nope. That leads into Carolyn's bedroom. Mm -hmm. Lorraine runs in because she knows that something's in there that's not supposed to be. Mm -hmm. You actually see a physical connection between the two take place. Yes. This... By like vomiting into this, her mouth. Yeah, this really crazy, cute. bloody, stringy, vomity type thing mm-hmm. comes out of Bathsheba's mouth and goes into Carolyn's. Yes. Lorraine comes running in. Carolyn says that she was just having a bad dream and mm-hmm. she's fine. Uh, everyone else gets home. So then we're trying to listen in on whatever the goings on are this evening. Mm-hmm. Brad ends up getting attacked. Mm hmm. This is where we more vaguely understand the look what she made me do. Right, because it's the, not the mother of the boy. No, it's the nurse. But the maid. The maid, yes. Who committed suicide mm-hmm. shows him her wrists and it's like, look what she made me do. Mm-hmm. Um, Cindy is sleepwalking and... Um, she is clearly walking with the spirit because the cameras are going off. And the cameras are only going off because of a drastic temperature change. Mm-hmm. Um, ends up going up... <laughs> ends up going upstairs. And uh, no one really goes and follows her until the door suddenly closes on her. Um, and then they're like, oh. Let me run upstairs. That seems bad. Yeah. Get to the room, the child has disappeared. Yes. That seems worse. Mm-hmm. Um, they end up using a black light to find her. She is actually hidden in a secret compartment 
within the wardrobe. Which, again, would be so exciting. Yeah. Yes. But explains why there's so much activity centered around the wardrobe. Mm Mm-hmm. So Lorraine crawls into this little crawl space. They find children's toys and a little, like, fort bed thing. Right. Right? Which would be the most upsetting thing. Like... Oh, yeah. Forget about the ghosts. The fact that this child had to hide in the walls. (laughs) Like... Not a good time. is, Is just, like... Deeply disturbing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a spot on a board filled with children's toys where the music box belongs. Mm-hmm. And then what else would you expect to find in a hole in a wall with children's toys but a noose? That's true. <laughs> How the fuck the noose got from the tree into the wall? I, Unexplained. Never explained. <laughs> but it's there. Why they would keep the noose... No idea. Oh, this might come in handy. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> no clue. At which point something completely unexpected happens. Yes. Lorraine falls through the floor. Yep. All the way to the cellar. Mm-hmm. Totally fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> she's, she's a little shaken. Uh, at which point she sees that Rory in fact, did not disappear in the woods. Mm-hmm. His mother killed him. Yes. And then she killed herself when she realized what Bathsheba had made her do. Mm-hmm. It is at this point that Lorraine realizes that Bathsheba's bag is to possess women and cause them to harm their children. Yes. Which is alarming, because the woman who Bathsheba is targeting has five children. Right. So. Not just one. Not just one. <laughs> not two, not three, not four. But, <laughs> but five. <laughs> <laughs> so then they're like, really, we're going to need an exorcist. Yes. Oh, and this is also where Nancy gets dragged around by her hair. Just throw, thrown around the room. Good times. Yeah, bad things are happening. Yeah. It's it's escalating. <laughs> Once again, it is escalating quickly. Yes. Um, so the Warrens end up going and getting approval from the church. Well, they seek approval from the church. They, well, yes. Yes. They, they don't have it yet. They're going to get approval. Right. They are going they, to get approval. <laughs> they are, uh, they present their case. Mm-hmm. At which point they learn... Oh, and they have they have advised the parents to leave the house. The yes. parents have gone to a, a motel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, uh, they learn that Carolyn has lost her damn mind mm-hmm. and has taken her two youngest children back to the house. Yes. So everyone heads to the house to try to save these children. Right. They don't take the rest of the children. Just the adults head to the house. Just the adults. The children are not coming along. No. Um, They're like, you stay here. So Brad ends up shooting his way into the house, as masculine men do. Um, Can't find a better way in, Brad? Hmm. Um, And then puts the gun against the wall, which... 
Like I get that you need your your hands, but like you just put you just put the gun put the gun down. Right, like you don't have a holster. Yeah, I mean it's a shotgun, but like put it somewhere else. Right. Why did you need to bring it all the way downstairs? Yeah, I don't know. It was just bad. It was bad news bears. Right. It was um, just poor choices. Poor choices yes. all around. Um, because uh, you know this is this is where things really take a turn for the worse because. We've said that several times. It just keeps happening. (laughs) It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Um, This is where Carolyn is is fully possessed. Right. Like, Um, Carolyn is not in there anymore. No. Like, you just... You've got full-on Bathsheba. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're doing everything that they can to try to get her out. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And Bathsheba's like, let me just throw you against the ceiling. Right. They tie her to a chair. Mm Mm-hmm. And cover her with the sheet. Right. They're going to go and they're going to try and call a priest, but then they realize they have no time to call a priest. So mm-hmm. Ed decides that he is going to perform the exorcism himself. Mm-hmm. Takes out the book, starts reading. Bathsheba starts throwing Carolyn around the room. Yep. Blood is erupting from her mouth, which is also actually a great little moment, like a great, like as, as bloody as it is, it is subtle because you don't actually see, all you see is the red stain on the sheet, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you don't actually see what's happening to Carolyn. Right. And there's nothing, there's nothing they could have actually shot that would be as terrifying as what you imagine she looks like under that sheet. Mm-hmm. And, and like that was another, even though it is like by far the goriest moment in the film, because blood just like fountains out of her. Right. It's still like actually really restrained and subtle and mm-hmm. like just, just the, just well done. Well done. James Wong. Yeah. Using your imagination to uh, enhance the fear Mm-hmm. that you're getting out of this film is is a talent of James Wan. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, so good. Um, yeah, it's what he doesn't show you. Yes. So, exorcism is going a little awry. <laughs> yeah, not going very well. Yeah. Um, doing their best. The, just because I mentioned the gun thing. There is a point where the gun just suddenly floats up in the air and shoots. I mean, yeah. Mind you, so uh, we didn't even mention this. The daughters run away. Right. So they send Christine out to the car. Yes. Um, April runs away and they don't know where she is. Mm -hmm. So Drew goes to look for April. Yes. While they are trying to perform the exorcism. Mm -hmm. Drew ends up finding April and then makes the brilliant decision to just shout out her location. Exactly where she is. Yeah. Um, In fairness, he doesn't know at that point that Carolyn has escaped from the restraints. This is true. Um, Still bad news bears. Yes. Because she has, in fact, escaped from the restraints and immediately crawls into the wall Mm -hmm. to go get her daughter. Thankfully, uh, so, thank you. (laughs) It is at this point when Carolyn has a a pair of scissors poised and ready mm-hmm. to stab April in the neck that Ed remembers Exorcism 101 and names the demon. Yes. <laughs> and shouts out uh, Bathsheba's name. Mm-hmm. That distracts her long enough for Lorraine 
to lay hands on Carolyn. Yes. And speak directly to Carolyn mm-hmm. inside. Right. And tell her that she's the one who needs to fight it. And she's the one that needs to beat this. And she needs to remember how much she loves her children. And it's all very, you know, it's all very symbolic. And like yes. the mother's love overcomes and yada, yada, yada. Um, and it works. Mm-hmm. Carolyn snaps out of it. End of film. Right. You have the you have the nod between the two men that is like I feel like at the end of every disaster movie, every horror movie, like if there is if there is a, a positive resolution. Mm-hmm. You gotta have the nod. You gotta have the nod between the men. Yeah. That, Otherwise that they're is, not men. Right, exactly. That that is the that is the most emotion that they're able to express. It's mm-hmm. just like nodding. Mm. Yes, good. So as I mentioned earlier. Everybody in this movie is based on a real person? Yes. Well, almost everybody. I guess I don't know that that Drew and Brad are based on real people, but... Yeah, they may not be. Everyone else is, though. They might be, like, composites. But everyone else, um, all the sort of main characters, uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren absolutely did exist. They have both passed on now. Lorraine Mm -hmm. actually passed on just last year. Or no, 2019. Yeah. Um, They were born in uh, 1926 and 1927, respectively. They married in 1945. They had their daughter, Judy, in 1950, uh, Mm -hmm. which means that when they were investigating the parent case, she was 21. (laughs) Not the little girl. Uh, But, you know, so fair enough. Uh, You know. You got to tie in that story. Right. The license to take. That's fine. Um, Yeah. The parent family did, in fact, live in a house in Harrisville, Rhode Island, that they claimed was haunted Mm -hmm. um it was a house that did date back to the 19th century and they actually lived there for 10 years um they did claim that some of the spirits were malevolent and that they did uh occasionally feel pokes and get bruises and uh carolyn perrin claimed that she had been stabbed in the leg with a knitting needle, mm-hmm. which is ostensibly how Bathsheba Sherman killed the baby. Um, so, you know. Now, you so you mentioned that they lived there for 10 years. Like, when, when in this 10-year time frame did uh, Ed and Lorraine come into play? Do you know? Like, was this, like, in the middle? Was this at the end of it? Like... I believe it was relatively early. Okay. That Ed and Lorraine came into it. Probably not as early as depicted in the film. Right. Um, but also, like, obviously, it was never as dramatic as it is depicted in the well, film. Right? I like, mean... Carolyn Perrin never tried to murder her children. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, it was actually, according to Andrea Perrin, who is the oldest daughter, um, who wrote three books, uh, a three-volume set called House of Darkness, House of Light, mm-hmm. detailing her family's experiences in the house. Right. Um, according to her, it is, in fact, the Warrens who decided that the main malevolent spirit in the house was Bathsheba Sherman. Mm-hmm. And she, in fact, disagrees with that characterization. Really? Mm-hmm. So does she think that it's something else, someone else, something else? So she does think that Bathsheba Sherman is in the house, um, but that she is not malevolent. Because, let us say this, because we want to defend women who are who are vilified. Yes. 
Right. Because women so often are. Yeah, absolutely. Again, Bathsheba Thayer Sherman was almost certainly not a witch. She was not a <laughs> Satan worshiper. She was not a murderer. And if there was a malevolent spirit in the parent house, it was probably not her. Right. Because the actual parent house was not on her land. It was on a neighbor's land. Okay. So she had never lived nor worked on the estate where the parents lived. So they tried tying that in saying that like they sold off land. Like I know it's still not the same, but they were like, oh, they sold off land and there was someone else that lived on, on the land that killed themselves. Right. 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 But right. But what I'm saying is that like the original owner, she just, they were just on a neighboring land. Right. Yeah. They were Mm -hmm. on a neighboring land. Um, she was born uh, Bathsheba Thayer in 1812. Mm-hmm. She married Judson Sherman. Um, they had four children, three of whom died before they reached adulthood. Um, there's absolutely no evidence that any foul play befell any of those children. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the 1800s. Right. You were pretty. You were pretty likely to lose three quarters of your children. Like yep. that was not at all unusual. Um. She lived a long life. She lived to be 73, um, which in, you know, the 1800s was a good long time. Oh, yeah. Um, She is buried. You can actually, you can visit Bathsheba Sherman's grave, which would be pretty cool. That would actually be really cool. Um, But she was given a Christian burial in the family plot. Yeah. If she were a witch, if she was accused of the things that sort of local lore and this movie accuses her of there's absolutely no way in hell that she would be given a christian burial in the family plot right right like so uh she wasn't a witch (laughs) that she probably never hurt anyone um she's just the uh like so many other women the uh the victim of a century's worth of folklore right because by the time by the time the parents lived in the house, mm-hmm. there was local lore that she, that Bathsheba Sherman, Bathsheba, God, that's a hard name to say, Sherman had been a witch, right? So it's it's not like the movie made that up, right? Um, but it is almost certainly not true. Well, it, another thing to just... I mean, whether or not you believe in witches in general, right? She did not. She wasn't trying to be a witch, right? <laughs> and well, she didn't murder children. <laughs> Well, and and to tie that in too, like being a witch and worshiping Satan are not absolutely one the same. different things. Yeah, I think we had this discussion already. Yes, we did. Mm-hmm. I don't think we had it on the podcast though. Didn't we? Did we? <laughs> it's getting hard to remember what we said on the air and what we didn't. No, I think we discussed it when we were recording last, and we just ended up watching this, but not recording. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yes, because we were talking about yes, because we were yes. talking about how she was a witch and she. Yeah. Right. Yes, because yeah. just because you. Like, yeah, being a worshiping Satan and being pagan are two different things as when you are pagan, you do not worship Satan. Right. <laughs> you worship a... Yeah, I mean, if if, one you're, of, if you're pagan, you actually don't really believe in Satan. Right. 
because that would mean you were Christian. Uh huh. Um, that being said, in all fairness, the definition, the ancient definition of a witch, like the sort of medieval on definition of a witch, right. was absolutely a woman or man, usually a woman, who conferred with Satan. Right. In fact, it was often characterized as uh, a sexual relationship with Satan. Yes. So, like... I guess for the time period. It, it, for the time period yeah. that Bathsheba lived, no one would have thought of Wiccans when right. they said the word witch. No one would have thought of pagans when they said the word witch. Like, that was so far out of... I mean, what you have to understand is that, like, for a mid-19th century new englander the idea that there were people who were not christians mm -hmm. was so far right like even even the people who weren't christian were in the christian tradition right to them right mm -hmm. like they were people who were actively subverting christianity and and of like acting against christ right. but there wasn't any sort of like any kind of paganism or anything like that they they had no concept of mm -hmm. um so, yes. So, when they said witch, it meant something different than the sort of, the way that, that we have tried to sort of reclaim the word witch. Right. In the modern, in the modern day. Mm -hmm. So, yes, in the mid-19th century, a witch would have been buddies with Satan. Fair enough. In fact, might have very well been married to Saint. Right. Um, but Bathsheba Sherman was not. <laughs> no. No, no. Nor did she. She probably didn't have any desire to be. Nah, she's like, I'm set. Thanks. Just like, I'm good. I'm good just like being, I'm good just being a farmer's wife and. Live my best with my dead children. Yeah, that's yeah. unfortunate. Three out of four? Three out of four. Oof. Yeah, here's the thing, folks. Vaccines are a miracle. <laughs> the hmm. reason that people's the the reason that people can have four children and then twenty years later still have four children entirely because of vaccines. But for Katie. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but Katie. You can't even do it. He can't even do it. I can't do it. <laughs> I don't even want to pretend. Mm -hmm. We hope you enjoyed this episode about The Conjuring. Um, join us next week. Until then, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Spotify. You can find us on all of your other favorite pla podcast platforms as well. Um... We have an Instagram at FN Frights Podcast. We have a Twitter at FN Frights Pod. We have a website at FNFrightsPodcast.com. You can also contact us directly via our email address. Scream at us at scream at FNFrightsPodcast.com. And then, of course, <laughs> I was like, did I miss any of them? There's so many those things. Are, those are all the things. Those were all the things except yeah. for Fright Club. Okay. Yes. And then, of course, there is Fright Club. Sean, what is the first rule of Fright Club? The first rule of Fright Club is if you find a room 
that is boarded up in your house. Secret room. Mm. Don't go in. Right. Leave it alone. It's boarded up for a reason. And I recognize that you really fucking want to go in that room. Because I, I would really fucking want to go in that room. Absolutely. But like... Especially if the boarded... With the discovery of the boarded up room is paired with any kind of shady business whatsoever. Yeah. You find a boarded up room and then the clocks start stopping randomly. Close up the room. Close up the room. Get out. Mm-hmm. Stop it. Like, get out before the voices start screaming, get out. Yeah. Yeah. It's just going to be bad. <laughs> it's going to be a bad time. <laughs> it's going to be a bad time. It's bad news bears from here on out, friends. Yep. Yeah. Nope. Board it up. Into it. As much as you want those treasures. Oh. Treasure. <laughs> Don't do the thing. Yes. So, gays and ghouls, join us next Friday night. You'll be in for a fright. And until then, sleep tight.